I'm Norman Thurek from Picture Pharmacy, and I'm joined by Kim Brotherson, Managing Director of Pharmacy 777. Welcome, Kim. Good morning, Norman. Kim, the last couple of years have been an interesting period of time for pharmacy. There's been a lot of challenges. Can you just um, explain to uh, our listeners uh, some of the challenges you've seen within your group? Yes, yeah, certainly, Norman. Um, I think the, the biggest start, obviously, for the whole industry is dealing with COVID, which has been a massive change with how we actually operate. And if you start strategic with the most important things, it was really dealing with the staff and their safety, uh, their anxiety, uh, and then also to our patients at that period of time. And early on, when you sort of have two phases to the, the pandemic, which was the, the pre-vaccination, whereby for the staff really stepping up, and I think the whole industry can be very proud of what they've done, is that they sort of leaned into the problem rather than retreating backwards. Um, but that also created a lot of anxiety for the staff because they wanted to do the right thing by their patients, but that came at a risk. Uh, and then... Then when the vaccines come through, then you're dealing with the anxiety of not having supply, uh, does it work, and also the, the, the changing nature of how that was. And, and that's in the backdrop of still day-to-day trying to maintain services and, uh, and good patient outcomes. Yes, you run a high-service model, Kim, is my understanding, and managing the staff through that journey when during the pandemic, clearly they had to be within a certain proximity of <laughs> The patient to actually deliver the service. I mean, was there fear? Yeah, definitely. But I suppose sort of reflecting back upon the question is that what I'm really proud of is how our staff has stepped up. So to give you an example, during the, through the 70 stores under the 777 banner, we've done between influenza and COVID over 400,000 vaccinations. And by the time we get through um, this flu season with the booster, will be over half a million. Now that's just a huge amount of extra work, but it was sort of what the public required at that time. So what we certainly found is that our business model, which has pharmacists at the front looking at patient outcomes and trying to fix the problem, is that, that's really what the community wanted at that stage. Yeah, and through that adversity over the last couple of years, I mean, there has to be opportunities that you've now found within the pharmacies and within the group that you can leverage. I think what we found with our business model, which is patient focused is that the the shift of the sediment for the the community has been more towards health and having that expert approach and and trying to find quality information that was accessible Uh, so with doctors harder to come and see i think that's where pharmacy has been able to step up and having pharmacists out the front and not in the dispensary has meant that we've been able to have those really important conversations and help deal with the anxiety and really try and work our way through the problems that each patient individually had. So you can't have a one-size-fits-all. It's sort of each patient has individual concerns and, and it's just being present to what they required at that time. And, and I think you know, 400,000 conversations just on the influenza and COVID vaccination alone are, are quality investments in the relationships long-term. Yeah, so, so if we just cast our mind back to March uh, 2020, um, at the very start of the pandemic and pharmacy was in the thick of it, copying a lot of um, paper scripts, fax scripts and the like, and then the transition through e-scripts. But we just think about the Guild for a moment. They were in the throes of negotiating the Seventh Agreement, which would have been challenging in itself, but they delivered an outstanding outcome that started on 1 July. But they haven't given up on that opportunity to work with the government to advocate for pharmacy. 
Yeah, I, I agree totally. I, I think the thought leadership from the Guild, uh, you know, terms like full scope of practice and looking at the Canadian model, they're, they're very inspiring. Uh, and I, I think the timing of the pandemic was certainly uh, tremendously advantageous uh, for the negotiations. And uh, I, I think pushing now for pharmacists to be more relevant and to looking at services is great leadership from the Guild in pushing that forward. I think the challenge for the industry is this, there are so many diverse models and it's like not all doctors are specialists, not all pharmacists are geared up with the business model to deliver these services. So I think it's how the Guild navigates that, um, you know, if you have a, a discount model, for example, you, you're looking at different elements for your customers in this case and the structures for wages are different, the layout's very different, the stock mix is very different, uh, where if you're moving to a full service model, you, you are looking at different elements, you know, to do that. And uh, certainly for our group and, and what we're providing, that's very exciting for us because full service and patient outcomes is what, you know, what inspires us. Yeah, you used two interesting terms there, Kim. One is um, this patient centricity, if I can call it that. And the second is this full scope of practice. And I I heard at APP, the Canadian pharmacist, talking about the full scope of practice. He said, you know, the term is we're really just practicing for, to our full ability, uh, which is interesting. So if we if we looked at one of the pharmacy triple seven um, sides, how would it physically look different to uh, another pharmacy, given this broader scope or or full scope concept? Where where we'll probably start with is the number of different elements. First of all, start with the team and, and the pharmacists are at the front. So to use an analogy is that if you went into a doctor's surgery and your expectation is you would like to see a doctor, if you were speaking to a receptionist, no matter how knowledgeable she was, that wouldn't seem right. We think it's very important that the pharmacists are at the front to be able to talk to the patients. Uh, so it's a starting point. And then from that, you have to build the layout. And one of the things that we think is really important is that pharmacists should recommend what they think is best for the patient without interference from head office. Uh, that's why we don't do catalogues. We look at ranges that are evidence-based. And what you would see is we have compounding labs. We actually have consult rooms in place, waiting areas that are set up as spacious. Cosmetics are, are limited to, to none, no gifts at all uh, in place there. Wound care, sleep apnea are very important. Uh, and, and also giving the pharmacists their own blockbuster that they're passionate about. So there, there's certain hygiene of services that need to be done. But if a pharmacist is passionate about a particular service, they need the, the, the space and the scope to be able to develop that. And, that. and that's what we found with our group is that it's the innovation of the pharmacist sharing different ideas and then looking at putting it into protocols of care that we can share with other pharmacists to, you know, because they're so time poor that if you can bring quality information that works, that's what's really important. Given those points that you just raised, how many pharmacists would you have in the pharmacy at any given hour during the day? It, it depends on the size. So we have pharmacies that are you know, over 400 square metres in size and we have some that are sort of 80 to 90 square metres in size. But if we had two staff members, there should be two pharmacists on. And, uh, if then, and, and what we find is there needs to be enough pharmacists to ensure that they can interact with every patient every single time. So we have pharmacists that would have seven pharmacists on at one time for different services and then some pharmacists would just have minimum of two because you really need that second pharmacist to do a service. It just puts so much pressure on the pharmacist to try and do an immunisation while trying to keep the hygiene going through. So 
as a group, we've always invested in um, HR and invested in career pathing our pharmacists through develop more skills. Um, and and you, and you need to have pharmacists at the front. So, uh, you know, we, we've always been wages heavy, which I, I suppose has been an advantage coming into the pandemic where things have thinned out a little bit for um, a number of HR regions all pharmacies are facing. But that, that's the general, it's the common sense approach. It's it's respecting the owner to really invest in interns. It's really investing in the future of pharmacists and ensuring that young talent that's coming through has an opportunity to really interact with our patients as well. The scarcity of resource issue is, is real. I, I think that's um, being suffered by everyone in the country at the moment. And given that, you know, in terms of the brand trying to drive this customer engagement from the front, how do you get the level of consistency irrespective of which pharmacy the customer walks into. Do they experience the same thing? I think language is really important. As a group, we don't see customers. So, for example, we believe doctors see patients, they don't see customers. So what we work with our pharmacists is once they become aware, they can no longer claim to be unaware. It is a patient coming through. They can recommend what they think is best for that patient. And what we do is we put in trainings and protocols and support through our, our different business development managers and business relation managers to really support their professionalism. It's really trusting that they, they really follow, I think, what's called the values of the organisation. So our vision is to improve the quality of life of our community. That means the owners have to get out from behind the dispensary, out to the front, and even look outside their walls inside their community. As an independent community pharmacy model, we went into business because we really wanted to leave our... our our own mark on our local community, how big that will be. That, that element's really important. The owners have to think about the community, what's important for them. The second part is what the staff do on the daily basis, which is the purpose. And for us, it's personalised care that leads to a meaningful outcome for the patient. And then what we really look through is the values of the organisation, which is what a good decision looks like. For example, our values are professional, caring, exceptional service and growth. They're all nice words, but what we've worked through is that different people have different perspectives of what professional looks like. So the beliefs regarding what those mean are really important to have those conversations. So for us, professionals fix the problem. We want to be health professionals. We don't want to be lecturing to our patients. So show that you care, show that you're interested. Exceptional service for us is you can't fix the problem then because you haven't built rapport or the person doesn't have time either book them back into another time to have the conversation or to connect them with another health professional. And then growth is the business will grow. So a good decision for us is, did you fix the problem? Did you show you care? Did you look after the patient? It's not about if we had growth first, then you're dealing with more of a customer-centric model. Because if you, for example, if your, your business proposition is to mega save, discount save, super save, whatever it may be, what you're putting out there is that the more you shop, the more you'll save. If you're giving away discounts to attract people in, then you do need to sell more to make up that lost margin. So that changes the emphasis of what the pharmacists and the staff have to do. They need to, they're having all these conversations on price because that's what the business model says it's there to do. And there's very sophisticated business models that do it very well. What we work through is that, well, what we are is here to look after the patients and do the best we possibly can. And what we found is when people understand the rules of the game, they're thinking, well, they're not unreasonable. And what we've found then that that has helped the owners build consistency. 
you must actually invest an enormous amount of time, energy and money for that matter in training, development and just culture building activity. Is that fair? Absolutely. The, 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 the role of the head office is really to support the stores. So the values that we, we look through the group, the values have to throw through the head office as well, which is as the groups get bigger, the fees have to get lower. Everyone has to see a, a win moving forward. There needs to be transparency. And when the owners are able to recommend what they want, it removes any conflicts of interest because it can't be that you have to order recommend this product because there's a better process. And it also means we can be agile. So during this process is that we've been able to move very quickly to change booking systems, update protocols, bring in better products because... We haven't had to rely upon, oh, no, you have to recommend this because the head office has that in place there. So it makes it a very simple game. What's the best possible product? What are the owners saying is really, really working? And having our business development managers, and we've got nine of them for 70 pharmacies, working on the protocols, the booking systems, the, the special areas like sleep apnea, compounding, wound care, all, all, all these areas, and even the guild programs, as amazing as they are, they, they still require a lot of work to to make them as simple as they possibly can and to incorporate them into the workflow for the stores. Yeah, the Guild do an exceptional job of negotiating the income, but it is ultimately up to you to roll it out in pharmacy. If we think about the pharmacists, um, they must be professionally quite rewarded in this process, right? Because they're doing what they qualified to do. Uh, I think, well, the, the most, the biggest reward is that if your business is not growing, it's dying. So when we're looking at benchmarks, our patient numbers have significantly outperformed the market. And uh, we have our, our results benchmarks through Picture Partners, so it keeps us honest. You know, there's no good thinking we're doing a wonderful job and finding that uh, we're living in a bubble. So with the patient numbers actually increasing, um, that, that's, a, that's a really positive actual sign that, that, that we're onto something that's relevant. And, and I think that's the great thing about our industry is that there are so many different business models to choose from. So... The opportunity for pharmacists is to sort of stand out to because you, you need to stand for something to be relevant. Because um, as an industry, there's if you ask a, a customer or patient, their experience with pharmacies is very different depending on which business model they've chosen. What we're finding, of course, is that the more interactions we have and the more consistency of the quality advice where the pharmacists are dispensing their knowledge, their job is to give the best possible outcome and it's not about selling more products. The pro what we've found is that by doing the right thing, the products actually, they come through because there's an authenticity in the communication. If someone wants to go and buy the products elsewhere, all we know is that we've done the very best we can for that patient coming through. And it's just consistently stepping up and doing that. And we're finding that that, that is working very well for us. Yeah, and to that end, you must go through a process in selecting the member or the owner to be part of the group. Is that a fair point? Yeah, I think definitely so. And I think for a lot of pharmacists coming through is that they're, they're looking for the catch. They're looking for where's the hidden agenda because their experiences sometimes is that there is some inconsistency or value clashes that the head office has a different agenda what's best for the stores. A lot of owners want some structure and they want some support, but then they find they have it and it comes with some side effects that they find quite annoying. So what we just outlined is the rules of the game. As I've highlighted, this is the values we work through. This is what we expect. The owners of the stores are the culture captains. The staff respect what the owner inspects. And what we do is we sort of look at, rather than saying, this is how you'll do it, we can sort of take them through a process to 
show them opportunities that they might be missing in their business. So we can show them other examples of where they saw that's very good in compounding or, or it's very good in sleep apnea or and developing a consistent protocol of care that helps them build that consistency with their team that's very, very simple to follow. Kim, you mentioned a moment ago some of the services that head office are working on and, and trying to deliver for pharmacy. How is that playing out? It plays out through the fact that we look at all the different blockbuster areas that are working in different stores because we found different pharmacies have passion for different areas and they invest so much of their time into it. And what we have from the head office is we have the business development managers put the protocols together, put the systems together, put the training through our training academy in place. And then, because a lot of the farms are so time poor, we can help with the implementation of the training of these different modules in place there. So we have... for all the different blockbuster categories, a business development manager specialises in that area to ensure that there's sort of some thought leadership in those areas around that consistently in place there. What what we also find is we get a lot of the members together who are passionate about these areas and we have discussions. And, and it's amazing when you, you, you get a team of passionate people together, the innovation and the ideas that come up. Um, and that's what we really think of is the best way of dealing with the uncertainty of the future is having an innovative culture. It's knowing that the winds are going to change. It's knowing there's always a bigger dog in the fight, knowing that, the, that there's no easy free kicks. But if you, if you stay innovative and you work together, um, and, and we take a very humble approach, you know, there's, there's things that we know, but we're, we're continually impressed by what the different franchises do and, and their, their team and their support. And, that, and that's what we've been able to harness, all that information and put it together where we share because... We don't have conflicts of interest. If we can provide a better protocol or a better system or coaching someone who wants to do compounding, how, how, how do you go from a start all the way through successful lab, the stages that people go through? How do you develop a sleep apnea service? How do you do compression therapy? How do you do wound care? Um, and we can show them we can show them the progression. And I think that the key point that you're touching on there, Kim, is the fact that you're actually creating a collegiate learning environment. It's not a... It seems to me in the way you've described that is head office isn't dictating to the store what to do. You're getting a, a collegiate approach to the rollout. Yeah, it's, it's very important. I, I, there needs to be some leadership and direction. So when we look at, you know, we're patient-focused approach. So all the elements move in that, that element, in that direction moving forward. But w- what the success of the organisation has been built upon is talented owners and, 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 and even the young farms that's coming through, you you, there's just so much energy and power and knowledge, um, and it's and it's and it's giving them an opportunity to have a crack, and uh, and that's what we're finding with so many talented people doing that. There's just so more more, more opportunities to, to provide a better way. Because no matter how good we do it, our expectation is there is always a better way, and and you can't take your community for granted. You can't take your part, patients for granted. As soon as you do, you'll just be punished. It's like turning it back on the ocean. So we're just very, very aware that we just have to step up every single day and have that very strong, how can we solve, how can we serve better? Kim, you have a wonderful enthusiasm for um, pharmacy. I think I know the answer to the next question. Uh, how do you see the future of pharmacy? I, I'm, I'm, look, I, I believe that the population wants to live with dignity in their home for longer periods of time. So uh, I think that, you know, if we look at health, I think that's going to be a major focus. So I, I think there's a huge opportunity for pharmacy in place here. Um, I think we look at AI and what's happening with Walgreens, Boots Alliance, you can see the future that a pharmacist hiding out the back 
if you're an endangered, you know, if you're a protected species, you're an endangered species. So I think for a lot of pharmacists, they, 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 if they're sitting at the back, I encourage them to get out the front um, because you're, you're in a very dangerous position there. Because if you don't stand for something, then you, you, you can get caught between, I suppose, the divide and the, 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 the bigger business models becoming more, uh, I suppose, complex. But I, I think for the future, yeah, I, I think pharmacy is a great industry. And uh, I think there's a huge opportunity to make a huge difference. And I, and I think as an industry, we're already seeing that now, that the level of respect and the relevance for pharmacy and what we're doing is building collectively. And, and that, that's really exciting to see from a, you know, a peer point of view that the, the whole industry is, is doing a lot of great things. And, and the different business models give the, you know, the patients or customers choice, which is really what you can't say that there's not choice. There certainly is. Um, and that's the exciting part. It's just up for a lot of the independent owners out there to sort of make a decision which way they're going to go. So therefore, and, and do it with some conviction. Kim, it's been wonderful to speak with you today. No worries. Thank you, Norman. I'm Norman Thurek from Pitcher Pharmacy, and I've been in conversation with Kim Brotherson, Managing Director from Pharmacy 777.